Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everybody. This is Jen. As you can hear, I'm not well. I recorded the episode you're about to hear um, last week, and the episode you heard last week was recorded in advance. So um, I have uh, struggling through bronchitis, laryngitis. Again, um, uh, I don't need any remedies under doctor's care on steroids, but um, there is probably going to be a rescheduling of my shows in um, Virginia and Durham, December 6th and 7th. I'm giving you a super heads up because my agent and the venues have not figured out yet how they're going to handle it in terms of when to reschedule, when to announce it, and if they just have to cancel it, depending on a bunch of things. So I'm just telling anyone who's making a plan to show up for walk-up, uh, don't make that plan. I'm really sorry about this, but when I get it like this, I have to stay on vocal rest for a while, not travel. Um, and the medication I'm on suppresses my immune system. So, and I'm starting a new full-time job Monday, so I won't be able to really rest that much. So um, that's how it goes when you have vocal issues. We've made it through an entire year without me having to cancel show for vo vocal issues, but here, here we are. So again, um, I'm not going to talk about it much on social media to avoid the harassment, but um, if you did buy tickets, again, the club will be in touch, whether it's going to be a refund or you'll have the option to reschedule. You will, well, you will all be taken care of, those of you who bought tickets already. And my deepest apologies. I obviously don't love this. Um, now enjoy this episode where I'll be sounding a little less sick, but you'll hear I'm on the verge of getting there. So enjoy. And um, for new listeners, sorry about the uh, sound, sound of the voice. Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 313. 
coming at you the day before Thanksgiving. Wow. And I don't have a really Thanksgiving episode for you. I am, as you hear, on the verge of getting sick. This is not good. I have been sick for a week before this. Just a little teensy-toonsy sickness. I flew up to San Francisco and flew back. It's not a long flight, but anything can jar the immune system when we are delicate. So apologies for how I sound. Um, So let's just get into the episode. Thank you. Today we are sponsored by Everlane. Oh my God, do I love Everlane. All right. Having a cold sucks. Um, Again, if if anyone sends me remedies, I'll have a breakdown because I have laryngitis and bronchitis. Um, I I know this. and I'm on rounds of steroids, and I'm doing the steam, and I'm doing everything. I actually made a list of remedies that I'm doing every day that are like prescription and fancy Hollywood shit and like prescription nasal sprays and prescription this and saunas and steam rooms and vitamin injections and rest and like everything. It's just sometimes you get sick and it has to run its course. And a lot of times the remedies we use help us feel better so that so that it doesn't you know what I mean? Like you don't want your nose dripping into your throat. So you do want to control your post-nasal drip. You know you're not curing it. You're just, you know, making it better. So Lottie la I'm going to try to do a thing where instead of clearing my throat, I take a sip of water because that's actually just my vocal cords vibrating. It makes it feel like something's in my throat, but there isn't. So any hoozle. Uh, but hoping I can beat this, but... um. But man, is the unsolicited advice so annoying. Like you cannot go anywhere without someone going, allergies? No, it's not allergies. Have you tried? Yeah. Like if someone's sick, first of all, I hate being sick. I hate feeling anything that isn't 100%. And so if you ever meet someone who's sick, it's like you don't think that they're like, oh my God, I love sounding this way. I love feeling sick. So I'm doing nothing about it. Like, of course, people are doing something about it. So this might be a shorter episode this week. I'm sorry. I'm doing what I can for you guys. Um, so, yeah, this might be a shorter episode this week. But I am working with the people at Patreon. And we are going to come up with something for the new year. So there will be three different tiers. And each tier will be different kinds of entertainment and merchandise gifts. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um it's just that end of the year thing where my voice is like, I'm done here. I'm done. And I'm like, uh, you got to hang in a little a little longer. But um, so I had to skip Madonna. Um, I had tickets to see her and I was like, I'm not feeling well and I have to go to San Francisco. I can't keep my Madonna ticket. So I gave it to a friend and he was super excited But this is what this crazy-ass woman is doing. Like, touring takes such, like, a hardship on me. Like, this all started in Milwaukee a few weeks ago. Like, I started coming down with something. I fought it. I fought it. And then I had to go to, like, I flew to Oklahoma City, got up at 4 a.m., got to Oklahoma City, did the show, had to get up at 4 a.m. the next day, take two flights, get to Milwaukee, again, get up at 4 a.m. the next day. So... Um, that was a nightmare. And I knew it. I was like, I'm coming down with something, coming down with something, coming down with something. And, um, 
And then I fought it. I fought the good fight. Then it went away completely. And then I was like, no, I can't. I can't risk it. Um, I can't think straight. All right. So Madonna. Show is at 830 at the Wiltern Theater. And I'm like, you know, I'm feeling like in that. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like you're starting to get sick and you do the Zycam and you do everything and you like don't get sick. And then you actually feel good. And I'm like, I'm going to go for a workout and sweat this out. Then I leave for San Francisco the next day. And then I was like, I don't think I should go see Madonna. Like I just, I think I'm confusing my nights. Whatever, I had a ticket to Madonna. But I knew like, I know so many people who have like, they have a little bit of a touch of a cold and they're like running around doing stuff. And I'm like, that's when I get the sickest. Like if I go out when I have a cold and then it turns into bronchial and I have it for a month. That's why I'm psycho about not getting sick because it can destroy my work for like a month, right? So I um, I decide not to go. And then I hear from people that I made a really good decision because she is fucking not getting on stage till 1030. She's 65 years old. I'm 45. I don't, I want to be in bed by 1030 and I'm just watching the show. I'm not even up there dancing and singing. So, you know, I missed it. I don't really like the new album. Like, look, I just think I'm never going to see Madonna live. I never saw her all these years. For some reason, I don't have that urge the way that I do with like bands. And maybe it's like, maybe there is always like a, a love and crush element to it where it's like, oh, I wanted to see other bands because they're cute or something. I don't know. I have no idea. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I'm just feeling a little bit weird, so I'm, I'm like not telling the best story in the world, but I didn't end up going. And um, my friend went, and uh, and so I'm a good person. That's, that's the bottom line of that story. But yeah, so they've actually had to change the ticket to say 1030 because people are like, why are you doing me like this? I'm showing up at 830. And the show starting at 10.30, like, I can't fucking do it. So, I'm glad I didn't go. So, I guess I'll tell you about my gig in San Francisco. Like, nothing huge to report, you know? I mean, it was super fun. Tony Tripoli, who's hilarious, was my opening act. And Tony used to go on the road with Joan Rivers, and he was, like, head writer of Fashion Police. And So, we were just talking about Joan backstage, and we were both saying, although we do not want her to not be alive, that as she was getting older, she was having a hard time understanding, or it seemed to us, just based on like what we saw in the, in the media, she was having a hard time understanding this this thing of like, we don't say words that hurt people. You know, so if someone was like, I'm not going to say the R word anymore for mentally, uh, sorry, I'm so out of it, I can't even think of the correct term for retarded so I'm, I'm just saying the word retarded um i know the the word by the time you email me i know i'm just down syndrome if if that's your kind of if that's what you have you get what i'm fucking saying so you know she'd be like we've got to go harder and say the things we're not supposed to say and you know when she first started doing that she was right you know when she was a woman in the 50s talking about being divorced and being 
you know, ambitious and the gynecologist and her gay friends. That was revolutionary. That was helping push the conversation. It was helping open up acceptance in society to women, to gays, you know. And she's, I don't think, could really grasp what I don't even think is that subtle of a nuance. But I don't think she was going to be good. Now, this is all hearsay, but... Or, or not hearsay, but all my own thought. I don't know if she's going to be great at grasping when we go, well, we don't say, you know, uh, this word anymore, the F word for for gay people. What? I said whatever I wanted and I made a career of it. It's like, yeah, but you said whatever you wanted for the good, for the good of society. So no one's telling you you can't say anything, you know, so... It would have been an interesting thing to see, but I think it ultimately could have been like a bad downfall and like kind of sad. So there you go. Rest in peace. But I think it's I think it's hard to get older in this business. It's hard to, um, I think, be a woman of her time and and realize like think when you when you realize things are changing, it's not so much that you're hooked on saying a certain word, but when you realize things are changing, it means Possibly less people are interested in you, less people will know about you. You know, your legacy gets forgotten and everyone's like, this YouTuber is funny. And you're like, what? So I don't know. It was always just kind of fun to talk about her. Um, Someone in the audience shouted out. So I was talking about like it wasn't even part of my act. I just was like feeling free on stage. It was like the last minutes of having a voice. I like literally started to lose my voice like the next morning. And I don't know what I was saying. It was like I was just like giving my opinion on the Democratic candidates, which I shouldn't. But I mentioned that Joe and Bernie were two older white guys. And this woman shouted out, it's anti-Semitic to call Bernie white. Now, here's the thing. I was kind to her and I said, you know, I can see that. I understand what you're saying. When you just call someone white, you know, you might be erasing their ethnicity. Obviously, we lost an entire generation of Jewish people in the Holocaust. Um, They're not white by the standards of they have all the privilege, except that he presents white, right? Um, he's not walking around in payas. So he is not going to get pulled over by the cops the same way. So he does have white privilege, whether or not being Jewish is called white or not. And that's a newer debate that's going on online. I'm not entirely sure that it's not propped up by Russian troll bots and propaganda because populists really love for their people to feel like they are in a minority. And Bernie's not appealing to the Jewish people. Bernie's appealing to the white working class. And he often says the white working class. And I know there's probably a guilt in there somewhere of like, why aren't we supporting the black candidates who are, you know, so it's like, it's so deep embedded. No one hearing this who loves him is going to think like that. So, but then this guy shouted out, I'm Jewish and that's a bunch of bullshit. And it was fucking hilarious. And the audience went crazy. And I said to her, The woman who shouted out, I'm anti-Semitic. I said, are you Jewish? And she said, no. And the audience burst out laughing. And I'm like, guys, we've just had our Thanksgiving moment before Thanksgiving. And it was amazing because like the audience handled it themselves. I didn't have to get involved. She very bravely said no. And we laughed. 
But it was that phenomenon of it's always white people going nuts about what people should and shouldn't say when it's like, why don't we check in with the group? And not that that guy speaks for all Jewish people. But when we talk about Biden and we talk about Bernie, I'm talking about literally boomers. Okay, boomer, who are white and who will get treated differently in society. Uh, you know, they, they don't have the same experience walking around with black skin as Kamala and Corey and Obama. You know, same with me. I don't I don't either. I have white privilege, too. Um, so I just thought that was very interesting. And I, and I almost wish I'd said more to this woman instead of like, I'll, I understand what you're saying. And, and I, and I will take that into consideration. I'll, I'll, I'll keep watching this space and seeing what the Jewish people want me to do. But, um, but Bernie doesn't really identify as Jewish. He's always been kind of an atheist who's barely even culturally Jewish, but he is Jewish. So do we call him white? I don't know. But let's be honest about no matter what all, like I'm straight and white, but if you're gay and white, like you don't have straight privilege, but you have white privilege. So he still has it. And that was kind of the point of what I was saying. Now, on a more interesting topic to like devolve off of that is what I wanted to say to her is I'm not even going to get into it, but a lot of groups like to feel that there is something minority that they can hang on to to justify their righteous anger. And I don't think that Bernie is is pushing people towards righteous anger about Nazism and, and all that. It's 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 social, it's economics with him. So I just think when his people say that, it it's not something he has said to them. It's it's the Russian trolls propping up drama. Um that's just my advice. So anyway, but I have a really interesting listener email today from someone who called me out on my white feminism and it's a Really interesting letter. So I'd love to read it later. Um, So this is the funniest thing in San Francisco. So I'm in the airport. The newly designed Harvey Milk Wing of SFO or JetBlue is. Or Southwest. Wait, was I on JetBlue or Southwest? I think it was Southwest. And it's such a lovely little corridor. And I was reading all about him and all that. And uh, I was with Tony, who was my opening act. And I mean, we're actually off by ourselves. Most of the wait, like he was going over there to buy something. I was over here, but we get on the plane and we sit down together and this woman in front of me turns around and she goes, I'm a psychic. And I was kind of like, oh, where's this going? But I was sort of like in it. I was like down for it. I was like, well, tell me. I like, I I thought she was going to be like, these are the lottery numbers to play or call your brother. He's dying. I don't have a brother, but you know what I mean? Uh, You're going to meet a tall, dark stranger and he's going to ask for 500 bucks. Just give it to him and it's going to change your life. You know, delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner, Russell Crowe now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery 
to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So she goes, I'm a psychic. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, and I knew that was you. And I go, what? She goes, well, I don't mean to weird you out, but I heard your voice, but I didn't see you when you were um, in the airport. And I said to myself, I'm getting a psychic feeling that that person talking talks for a living with their voice. And they're actually a very, they're an important voice in our cultural conversation. And then I looked and it was you and I know you, I'm a fan of your work. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Wow. She's like, isn't that weird? She's like, but yeah, I'm psychic. And I was like, not one psychic thing happened. And she turned around. I'm like whispering to Tony. I'm like, none of that was psychic. And dudes, I'm into psychics, like into it. I don't disbelieve. I think it's, I think it's some kind of energy they're picking up, whatever it is, into it, here for it. But here's the deal. My voice was a little bit raspy. And a lot of the work that I've done has been during periods when I have vocal damage. My first Netflix special, a lot of my drunk histories. So whatever she recognized is literally Jen Kirkman's voice. And then she added the story that this voice says important things for a living. Like that's her adding a narrative later that she thinks she had at that moment and she didn't. She just recognized my voice and went, I know that voice. And then looked at me when it's Jen Kirkman. And then I think reconstructed the narrative that she originally heard my voice and then this happened. I'm just like, no, but thank you. But like also worst psychic. I recognized your voice and it was you. Yeah, that's not psychic. You recognize my voice. But can you tell me, um, like, how's it going to go on my, uh, my first day of work next week? Oh, I don't know that. Oh, I thought you were psychic. I'm only psychic with voices of people that I recognize from TV. Oh, got it. Very, very uh, niche. Oh, my God. It's all coming together. Somebody asked me, in the listener emails. Hi, Jen. I know you had a great affinity for Joan Rivers and you love fashion and hate small talk. Would you ever want to interview people on the red carpet a la Joan, but ask them non-small talk questions? I know that you can't just manifest this job into existence, but I'm curious if in this case you would enjoy combining the things you like into one super thing, or would it be a weird combo? Hi, love the shoes. Who are you wearing? What do you think our souls do while we're waiting to be born? Love the show. Peace and love, Beth. Oh my God, I love that question. It's such a good question. Um, in a general way, in that kind of like Billy on the street way, it would be really fun to just like sort of accost people at an odd moment and be like, what are you wearing? Also, what do you believe? You know, I think there's a good way to do that where, I mean, yeah, in general, if something like that was a job, I think it could be really cool. Um, I can't get one of those jobs. I'm not a viable commodity. Um, red carpet ratings need to be big and, and I'm not a name right now, but um, I don't know if I'd want to do literally that because I do feel like red carpet people it's an assembly line and they have to get to the next thing and they're 
everything you don't see behind the scenes is like right up next to that camera as someone's publicist like let's go let's go and they got to go here and they got to go there and they don't usually like to stay too long with the comedian who might say something crazy and it's all about them and they want to talk about their hair and their shoes so but I do think some people like of course I'm picturing Keanu Reeves would like love to be thrown a weird question like that like that's what I think but I would more like it I don't know. I'd have to think about it, but I love that idea. Now, you know, it's funny, like Joan loved fashion in a way that I don't like Joan likes labels and like big, fancy red carpet, fancy outfits. And I hate red carpet fashion. Like I never watch red carpet stuff because, you know, I follow a lot of clothing designers on Instagram, not to brag. And like when I see Christian Siriano or other people making dresses, you know, I like to see a picture of it and then that's it. But like seeing it on someone, it all I think is like, God, that's uncomfortable. My God, they had to like not eat any salt for three days to fit into that. Ugh. And then I wonder like, did they have to get like a back acne facial? And then like, how did someone fit them into that? And then how do they sit? And then how do they pee? And they must just be like so tired. Is it weird to feel all that dressed up if you don't win? It, it's so stressful to me. I really hate overly fancy red carpet outfits. I just think they're like ugh, so boring. Like, I just never understand. Like, why are you wearing this gone with the wind, like giant bell dress? Like, I don't find it interesting. I think like I love your like Diane Keaton who's like, I'm on the red carpet in a suit, you know, like something cool like that. So I think what I love is style and fashion, I think, is a whole industry with labels and names. And I like that too. I'm not against it. I just don't know enough about it to be like, let's talk fashion. You know, I'm more like, I love style. Like what would you put with what? And that kind of thing. Guys, I know this episode is like really dragging, but this is the best I can do with my voice. And I'm really hoping to like nail this and kick it up this week. So hopefully next week will be better. Um, But Speaking of fashion, speaking of style, my favorite. I can say my favorite sponsor, right? I mean, are the other sponsors listening? Like, boo my feelings. Everlane. I fucking love Everlane. As you know, I have all their clothes. I've got this amazing gray turtleneck sweater. I'm going to be wearing it this week. Oh, I've like mapped out my outfits, but... I love their work pant that's like a little stretchy and they're really nice and like form fitting and slim. So it's like you can wear them to work. You can wear them on a plane. I love their soft uh, button down shirts and I have a lot of their cashmere sweaters. I'm outfitted by Everlane when I travel and and when I'm just keeping it cash. So here's the deal. But you can get t-shirts there, but it's more about what a great company they are. Like, would you pay... 50 bucks for a t-shirt. If you knew it cost only $7 to make, you shouldn't. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. They make premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. They want you to know what you're paying for and why. So they tell you the real costs and they're radically transparent about every step in their process. From the materials to the ethical factories that they work with. No matter your style or preference, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. Because Everlane sells directly to you, 
their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t-shirt are exactly what they should be. Versatile, simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. Again, they've got 100% grade A cashmere, and these are not cashmere prices. It's amazing. Sustainable silks, premium Japanese denim. Some of the clothes are made from recycled water bottles. And right now, you can check out everlane.com slash fun. E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E dot com slash fun. And you'll get free shipping on your first order. Uh-oh, that's everlane.com slash fun. Guys, I didn't realize like how much my voice was going. So I think this episode's going to be a lot shorter. And I really apologize. But this is, I, I can't fuck around here. Like, I can't fuck around my voice. But, um, but I'm going to bring up something that, that came up. All right. I got a letter from a listener. And it was very interesting. We had a lovely conversation. And I hope I'm not saying her name wrong, but I think it's Bronwyn. She said, hey, Jen, I saw you at Toronto at Just for Laughs in September. I love the show. I was laughing the whole time. Um, I've been deep diving on your podcast because your snarky feminist ranting is making me laugh out loud around my apartment. I'm right with you. So I was really disappointed and I felt it coming. I was like, what I do? On who's Zooming who, granted from 2017, but that's not that long ago. Around the 15-minute mark, you said Eskimos. Don't say Eskimo, it's offensive. Whatever, you know what I mean. That was all me talking to myself. I'm an Inuit woman, and you're a professional writer, so duh, words have meaning. Eskimo isn't just offensive, it's a racial slur. Designed by colonizers, meant to donate Inux. God, I'm so sorry if I'm saying this wrong as barbaric, and usually I only come across it from elderly Americans as the purest form of ignorance. Sometimes I think they use it because they actually don't want to think that Inuit people exist. But you seem to understand that it was offensive and decided it was okay to use it anyway. Frankly, I don't see how this is any different from the bro that got fired from SNL. I actually still love you, and I know you're not just a usual white feminist. Please keep making fun of guys that do brown face. Um, so we wrote back and forth and she was so lovely and she totally got what I was saying and she wasn't shaming me at all, but she even wrote on when I like that she looked back and went, God, I came kind of hard at you. I was like, you actually didn't like, I'm a white feminist, like heads up everyone. I'm doing my best, but a lot of looking back at my life, I'm like, oh, that was so white. That was such a white experience. And it's not bad. It's just that there's so many years of my life where I thought I was so liberal but I was kind of like just in a bubble of white people and not realizing that people who aren't white like really do live in a different world in terms of things that are stacked against them, the way they're treated. And even having friends that aren't white, like I still didn't clue in that like the way that a lot of my man friends never clued in that like women just really live in a separate world, you know. So I wrote back to this woman saying basically – I don't remember anything I say ever on this podcast. It's completely off the top of my head for the most part. So there's going to be times when you hear stuff that's like, whoa. And I'm also not very articulate. I get excited when I start talking. So there's probably a lot of things I've said that I actually truly didn't mean or they came out weird and people are like, what? But with this Eskimo thing, I don't remember it. 
but I have a, so I, I told her to my best rec- recollection what I think I was doing just based on knowing me. So, and I'm sorry to keep using the word, but so I used the word Eskimo in my podcast. And then I did a voice of someone going, don't say Eskimo, it's offensive. And then me going, whatever, you know what I mean? What I believe was happening in my brain, and this isn't me defending myself as as much as like showing how this can happen, is I said a word that I was like, huh, in the back of my brain so fast, my subconscious is going, wait, is that an old fashioned word? Is that a word we don't say anymore? And the word old fashioned kept coming to mind, not racist, not offensive, but old fashioned. And within that split second, I did the character of the white woman, much like the woman who shouted at me that I'm anti-Semitic at my San Francisco show, even though she wasn't Jewish. The white woman who's criticizing other white people for saying words. Um, usually they're overcorrecting and they're they're criticizing someone for saying something that actually is not offensive. So I was doing that bit where I truly, I think if you had stopped me right then and, and went, well, what do you think that word means? I'd go, oh, it's kind of a cartoonish, old-fashioned word. Um, but we're, we're probably supposed to use something else now, but I don't know what it is. But I don't think it hurts anyone. I really didn't know. So that's what I explained to her is like, I think I was doing a bit, but something did flag in my brain. This is an old-fashioned word. And what I could have done if my mind wasn't going a mile a, mile a minute is paused and been like, well, wait, I just said a word that seems as I keep saying old fashioned. Why don't I Google it and see what's up? And I didn't do that. And it wasn't because I don't want to. It just didn't occur to me. So hearing this, I was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like me. But I can hear her saying on paper, it's no different than the SNL dude. Um, I would argue, and it's a little different because I was doing a bit mouth running a mile a minute he was giving his views on other races and and saying like they don't belong here they don't belong there they're not i mean and he went on about a bunch of different things but on paper of course so but what was funny was like in that moment i had to go oh wow i have listeners out there who are going yeah i'm a person of color she's a white feminist but you know She's learning and sometimes I hear her and I'm like, Ugh. or wow, she doesn't really understand this. And it's humbling and it's embarrassing and I feel shame. But when I, when I go too much into the shame, I'm making it about me. I'm not making it about what's important, which is learning and growing and correcting, correcting my behavior, not go correcting others all the time. But, um, and I think that's the problem when we try to talk to people about you know, hey, these are the words we don't say anymore. And, you know, hey, men, we're saying this with all the love in the world, but you were you were brought up with really fucked up views of what masculinity is. And we haven't given you room to learn to show emotions. And it's it's an epidemic. Not being a man isn't an epidemic, but the the masculinity that's so outdated is, you know, and I think most people just want to go, oh, come on, I don't have white privilege. Oh, come on. I'm not like that because it's embarrassing. It really just is, which probably is childish, but it's embarrassing to not be the smartest person ever. It's embarrassing to not get something right. 
It's embarrassing to hurt people's feelings. It's embarrassing to be like, oh my God, I'm no different than like an old Nana. My Nana would always go the Orientals. And I was like, you can't say that. And she'd be like, well, is it wrong to say the Orient Express? I'm like, probably. I don't, (laughs) you know? And so I think that's what was so interesting is like, Maybe I'm just so evolved, but the let the letter was also written in such a way that it was like, listen, it was a little confronting, but it made me go, well, this person cares enough to tell me something, and that's really kind of them. They weren't like you're stupid, whatever. I mean, but she did mention like she's always thought I'm not just another white feminist, which is kind of a way of saying like, but you're still a white feminist, you know? And I'm fine with that, like. It's not bad. It's not good. It just means I have a little more to learn and keep in mind about my sisters from other uh, misters. That's not what that means. But but my women folk who are not white. And so um, I, I was really grateful to get that email. And so, you know, go easy on me, everyone who's now writing up your emails. Why you do this wrong? But I do think I can really relate to if you don't have your shit together in certain ways, if you're not self-reflective, if you're not in therapy, if you haven't dug up some of those old childhood things where you feel ashamed from your parents and you feel like you're wrong and bad, you're not going to be very open to hearing from people that you need to adjust your language and change the way you um, think about things and look at the world. We, we go to a automatic, like abandoned child response And that's why so many people cling to, I get to say whatever I want, because it's not ever really about the words. It's about, if I get angry right now, I don't have to feel the shame. And a lot of us do feel shame for, you know, it's not my fault specifically that um, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that we know the real story that colonizers came gave everybody blankets of viruses, raped the women, colonized the indigenous people. That's not my fault. I wasn't there, but I've benefited from that system of white rule. And it's the burden we all carry. And I think it's okay that we carry it. I mean, what do you want to get out of life without with just everything being perfect. I mean, you don't have to walk around hitting yourself over the head. And again, you have to make it about you. Like when your friends of color are talking about their experience, you don't have to be like, oh my God, I totally get it. You just shut up and listen. And so I think as a society, there's a collective shame about where we've come from, what certain things are built on and what certain things still run on. But we don't have to be so angry at each other about it, you know, And, and that's not about the woman who wrote me, but you don't have to get so defensive when someone asks you to just please look at things a different way. And if you do, then you have to ask yourself, what's the little kid in me need right now? What, why is this so hard to hear? Do I need to hear that I'm a good person? Am I afraid of being misunderstood? Am I afraid that I don't even know myself and everything I thought about myself was wrong? See, we don't have to jump from zero to drama like that. It's more like, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Now I've got some blind spots, but why wouldn't I? I'm white. I grew up in a privilege. Nobody who grows up in any kind of privilege usually knows it because that's what privilege is. You just 
oh, that's easy for me. Then when you find out you have it, you're like, oh, sorry, I feel guilty. And sometimes it can even go to like, so what? I want to keep it. The good news is that no one can take our privilege away. So you get to keep it. And the other news is like you actually grow and expand as a person when you let other people teach you stuff and tell you about themselves. And it feels really good. And it feels actually not like you're being erased, but that you're tripling in size. You're becoming bigger and brighter and every boat rises. So that's just kind of my little rant about, you know, learning and accepting your blind spots. If you come from a place of I'm perfect, I'm woke. And I talk about this in my act with men with feminism. I get it. I've got a mother, sister, blah, blah. I'm, I'm one of the good guys. I mean, you're basically not a rapist. So thank you. But there's more to it. And if you're a guy, you're going to have blind spots about what women need in this world. And that's okay. We don't expect you to not. Why would you not have them? But we're just going to bring them up to you because we trust you. And it can be scary when that trust gets broken and someone kind of freaks out. So that's what I wanted to say is uh, let your light shine. Let your hearts get bigger and be kind to each other like the way that this woman was kind to me. Um, sorry, y'all. So anyway. My mom uh, just sent me an email. Hi, Jen. I've Jay Leno was great last week. She went to see him at the casino. He has lost a lot of weight and he doesn't lisp anymore. That How is that possible? He must have had speech therapy. His show was so much funnier than the last time I saw him. A lot of mother and father jokes about Italians and scotch that were hilarious. Well, he's Italian, so she must mean his Italian family, but scotch people? Scottish? Or scotch the drink? It reminded me of when you talk about us. See, all the greats do it. I guess all the comedians do this. That's what she said. We'll miss you. What are you going to do for Thanksgiving when you start the writing job? Well, I'm going to a friend's house for Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, I start a writing job on Monday, December 2nd. So there you go, mom. Um, I'll get back to her later. So I want to see if there's any more listener emails that I can read to you. I, guys, I'm really sorry about this episode. It's, oh, I forgot. I have a giant thing. If you join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, then click Kirkmail, there is a big Black Friday sale on my Hollywood Improv Christmas show. You're going to get, I think it's either two for one or $5 off or something. But join my newsletter and you'll get an email Friday, Black Friday, and you will get a discount because we need to get asses and seats. I think we have like 60 tickets left to sell. So I just want to like get them over the edge. So how does that sound to you? Um, oh, this other woman wrote me. I love this. So I talked about hot flashes on an earlier episode and and how the woman in the in the Pilates class was like, Oh my God, at least you look young. So this woman wrote, Jen, I was right with you on the people feeling it's so necessary to comment on looks. I personally love to work on my looks. It seems to be the one thing where I can find some control in my life in working out works for me. 
There was a fairly large group of women at my old gym that became super friendly and did social things together. I was always invited and was pleasant pleasant enough to these women, but wasn't really in the market for a niche group of friends. Here's where what you said hit a familiar nerve. These women were pretty vocal about girl power and women supporting each other and all that womany stuff. Every single time these gals saw each other, including when they saw me, it was always, wow, look at you. You look so lean. You look so hot. And any other judgment on looks. It made me crazy. I brought it to the most normal of the group's attention, and she thought I was crazy and didn't get it. Oh, well, you make me feel better. Thanks for the podcast. Yep. I hear you. Um, here's another one. Hi, Jen. I'm just listening to your story about the hot flash and Pilates. A couple years ago when I was 56, I went to Moto Yoga on La Brea in Los Angeles for the first time. I've been practicing yoga for 30 years. When I signed in for the class, the teacher looked me up and down, saw my graying hair and extra 10 pounds and said, you'll find this class a challenge. Take it easy and rest when you need to. I was shocked because she seemed so condescending without knowing a thing about me. But I just smiled and took the class. And I was fine, of course, because I was doing yoga before she was born. After class, she made a point of coming up to me and saying, wow, you have quite a practice. I smiled again and turned away. Bitch. <laughs> I haven't needed to go back. I love that email. Namaste, bitch. Um, oh, also right now this week at my Tea Public merchandise store, it's 35% off Black Friday week. So if you are a meditator, you can get an I Meditated Today Motherfucker pillow, a great tote bag. It comes in black. I've got all these items, by the way. A sweatshirt. They're so soft and comfy. Or a tank top. They're super sexy. And you can get the version that says motherfucker, like with the swear word or the asterisk. And I highly recommend it. Um, go there now, jenkirkman.com. Click shop. Guys, I wish I could do more, but I'm starting to get a tickle and lose my voice. So when does this come out? This comes out Thanksgiving week, right? Okay, so have a good Thanksgiving. Rest in peace, Jay Leno's lisp. I got to make sure I beat this thing. Until next week, have fun.